Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Keg podcast, episode, episode. 474. Charlie here with you. Mitch on the other side of Zoom. Producer Lil is somewhere, God knows where, um, doing a snooze. Uh, not here with That's me. Not good. Yeah, no, she's she's around. I, I know she's she's somewhere. Um, I have a rant for you here after about producer level. We might as well just say it now. Well, let's say our topics and then I'll I'll, I'll do the rant and I'll ask how you're doing. Um, so we're talking Badgers today, talking most important storylines, going over what the Badger season might look like as college football officially kicks off next week, this weekend. Uh, week zero was, I think, just the taster. Labor Day, you are jam-packed with games. Then, biggest question you have about the Packers heading into the season. We'll just talk about one topic there for each of us. And then lastly, Brewers' suddenly scary road trip. Even though they've won four out of their last five, I got to say I'm a little nervous uh, heading into this weekend. So we'll talk about that. And, uh, well, let's check in with you first. I've talked enough to start. How are you doing? Mitch Ross, MKE on Twitter and Instagram for the people. What's happening, dude? How's, how's it going? Well, doing doing pretty good. Uh, I mean, you know, another week. Um, bracing for hopefully the last heat wave of uh, 2022. But uh, ne- never say never. And I, I've just been waiting for fall for the last three months. And almost there we got college football underway as you as you said pretty much full throat this weekend which is a great signal that fall is you know if not here uh it's right around the corner and i am ready to rock and roll i i got bad news for i would not look at the weather app for the next 10 days though um it's not necessarily i'm not gonna get that wish just just yet um at some point it'll change but it's not looking there um for me I am excited. I do, you know, look forward to the hoodie weather. There have been occasional moments of hoodie weather. Um, but for me, I was walking the dog today. And um, so where I walk the dog, there's Strange Town, which is a vegan spot right on the corner of Prospect and Windsor. And they have tables outside. And they have, like, you know, people can have their dogs there or whatever. This fucking lady, the first table, so to be able to pass, she has her goddamn Doberman with her and you just can't get around. Like, you know, I had to go in the street with my dog because I'm not walking past the Doberman really in any scenario. And like, if that's like, Oh, Charlie, you're, you know, you're being, you know, uh breedist or whatever. And you're, you're ch- 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 chastising a Doberman pincher. I'm sorry. Dobermans are a, are a mean fucking dog. I, I've watched enough movies in my day, but it's like, People, I, I love my dog. There are just time and place with the bring your dog and time and place not to bring your dog, and just just really struck a nerve with me today. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I I don't know. I guess I wasn't there, so I, I don't really have. Well, it's um, more it's more just a rant on society of like this obsession with bringing our dog everywhere is more what I'm more what I'm referring at than anything else. I just I should have saved it for the end of the podcast. But it's yeah, been, I mean, it's, it's been... uh, it, that's a long discussion potentially. I mean, oh, it's uh, <laughs> like, I mean, it's summer. People are going to bring their dogs places, right? Um, I don't know. I guess we just have to hope to hope to get along and yeah. and yeah. Uh, just adjust on the fly. I guess. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean... So you so you basically so you cross the street 
no, I, I, I didn't even, I couldn't really, because if you think about where it is on location, you can't yeah. really cross that street. I just kind of had to duck in there, hope I didn't get hit by anybody, and then duck back um, because she had her dog in, in probably the worst spot in the street. Like, she didn't have the dog. The dog wasn't in, and it was hogging up the the lane like it was standing. It wasn't sit. It wasn't like laying down underneath her table or something. Like, the dog was just roaming around. And it's like, you're blocking the fucking sidewalk, lady. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I guess in that situation, you would hope that the, the owner would say, like, hey, come here, you know? And Yeah, no. And especially if it's standing and just kind of walking around. I mean, and, it was a, and it was a big-ass Doberman, like, definitely a male Doberman. You know, it was not a small Doberman by any shape of the imagination. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's life, uh, city, that's city life. That's city life. That's I, it's not gonna be my problem in like three three weeks or so, and I'll probably miss it at some point. But where right, where right, are those exactly. Dobermans? We'll see. That's what I was but thinking. I, like just 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 make it another couple weeks. I know, man. Be, I know. I know. I, I hear you. I hear you. It's it's. Uh, but then it's, you'll have you'll have the issues, you know, out here with with you know, there may be a woman walking. She's got three or four fucking dogs. And you're trying to walk on the on the, the trail or the path or something, and you might not be able to because, you know, she's she's clogging the entire thing with with oh, her yeah. four. Uh, I'm I'm sure I'll bitch about golden retrievers. It's it's not like I'm not gonna stop bitching because I moved to the suburbs. I'm just gonna have new things to bitch about, which is exciting in, in its own in its own right. So, anyways, yeah. uh, at, moving on to to even further west than the suburbs. Madison, Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Badgers get kick, kicked off this weekend against Illinois State. A night game on Labor Day, kind of a tough look. Um, I can't imagine that there's going to be a lot of fans at this one. I'm sure there will be a good attended crowd, but I can't think this is going to be one that everybody circles on their calendars for an FCS team on a on a weekend. And I know we don't talk about the Badgers a lot on this podcast. I had this thought, Mitch. What I realized is the Packers and Badgers are the only two combination of elite NFL team and pretty good college team. If you think about all the elite NFL teams, the only one that comes close, and it only recently because they just got Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, is LA and USC. Other than that, like there isn't one. Kansas City, Buffalo, um, who out Baltimore? Like those, I mean, they don't. They're not college football powerhouses. So in a weird way, you know, it's kind of unique for Wisconsin. And but I do think that's part of the reason why we there isn't as much bad coverage is because you're focused on the Packers. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, maybe not at the moment, but Texas with that with the Cowboys. Okay. The yeah. Longhorns. I yeah, mean, yeah, that's fair. Pretty close. I mean, that's Texas hasn't been super competitive the last ten years or so, but. No, but that's um, a that's a fair that's a fair one, and I would I think there are people who care more about the Longhorns than do the Cowboys, and they might be fans of both, but they I think they they lean Longhorns over the Cowboys. That's a good one. Or uh, maybe Seattle with the Huskies and the Seahawks were I mean, Huskies are pretty pretty competitive. Uh, um, I, really, but they're not a powerhouse. Yeah, well, I mean they, they they've had a they've had a couple top ten teams. They last, have. I don't know, six eight years. Yeah, I mean, and the Seahawks, I, I know the Seahawks are dog shit this year, but yeah, they've 
Yeah, Washington. I'd have to look at Washington and see. We're gonna also do a little fact check on that later. But that that's close. I would say there are probably a lot of Husky fans. I know that they have a pretty good fan base, and they expect a lot. Put it that way, just like Badger fans do. And I think that's part of it too. Is like the expectations. Like you could argue that Missouri fans have expectations because you're in the SEC. But I think Missouri fans have kind of realized like. They need to get to like where Kentucky is right now, where they're a ranked team. They have a guy who could be a first round pick and Will Levis. Like that's where Missouri has to get first. That's like step one. And then like step two is like, how do we level up and get to maybe on par with like an Auburn? Auburn's not going to be that good this year, but like Auburn, Ellis, not Alice is too, too big, but like that second, that kind of that mid tier, that second tier of SEC teams and that's that's kind of where they need to go. But their fans have expectations. They're just real. And for the Badgers, obviously, it's can they break through at that top? And that's really not a top storyline. I mean, we are going to talk a little bit about the Ohio State game and what it is. But, you know, I think the first thing is really, you know, Graham Mertz and, you know, what Graham Mertz brings to the table. Can Graham Mertz actually find himself as a quarterback it's been a rough couple of years do you think the fans are going to give him any rope Mitch or do you think that it's going to be something that we're they're basically out if he looks like dog shit against Illinois State or Washington State the following week Uh, well I mean I think he he, it it has been I mean their offense was really really bad last year I mean I mean I guess I guess where I'll start is, is the bar should be pretty low for Graham Mertz. Um, I, I don't know how much you can really take from Illinois, an Illinois state game mm-hmm. um, right out of the gate. I think the Washington state game will be a bigger time. I almost wish that was week three as a, as a more of a tune up for Ohio state, because I think back, you know, you're going to go back down to New Mexico state. Who's, you know, a pretty, pretty poor awesome. program as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you, you know, so you kind of get, you got to take a foot off the gas a little bit before you go to Ohio State. But he, he does have three winnable games to start the year. And I mean, you have seen, I think, in the past with with the Badgers that the offense is looks deceptively okay against some of the lesser competition. And then once they get into Big Ten play, it seems to be, you know, a really, really yeah, grind a lot of it, games. It turtles. And, 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 you you basically need Braylon Allen or whoever's running the football to break a big run, or you're kind yeah. of fucked. And well, and, and and it's a lot of a lot of it is for the Badgers in general is going to be a turnover battle um, for the whole season. I mean, the defense will will hold its own. I'm not concerned about that, but I, I think they're going to have to be good and, and put Graham Mertz in in a lot of positions to succeed. Um, short fields and stuff like that because I mean overall he hasn't been good and I, I think at some point it's got to click. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know I about, mean just, you could I, make. I'm I mean, a little apprehensive with the new offensive coordinator guy who hasn't called any called any plays really at any level. Um, so it's a little bit a little bit concerning, I suppose. Um, yeah. No. I I think I think there is like. The case you just made, I think there is a case of like potential redemption because if you really pull it back the last two years, first year it was COVID. He had his own own bouts with COVID after lighting up Illinois where everyone's like, this guy's yeah. the next great quarterback. This is like 
the first it's the chosen one. They finally have their quarterback, all this stuff. Then gets COVID. It, you know, it, it basically is a lost season for him. Last year, probably one of the worst Badger offensive lines in recent memory. And he got yeah. to beat the shit. And they played a really tough schedule. I mean, out the box, you had Penn State, Notre Dame, yeah. uh, who Michigan, who obviously gets the college football playoff. You were playing those teams in the first few weeks of the year versus like having a couple of these games that were we talked about, Illinois State, even Washington State for that matter, and, and New Mexico State, where you have kind of time to ramp it up. So maybe that's his opportunity. And Ohio State's defense, while they have five stars, they have not shown themselves as a good defense. They got, you know, defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, who's coming over from Oklahoma State. They could get better, but, like, again, you never know. So what if Mertz lights it up against Ohio State? I mean, that's that's going to be a that's gonna be a huge, huge potential thing. And then I'm not saying they're going to beat Ohio State, but if Mertz lights it up and they lose by 10 points, I mean, it's going to be all about Mertz. Everyone's going to be like, well, we have a – have a legitimate quarterback and we might have a chance to play our way into the playoff if we can beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Sure, but again, it's yeah, no, I I, I yeah, I agree. If if they if they are able if they're three and going to going into Ohio State, I don't think there's anyone in the country that expects Wisconsin to win that game. No. But but if they do if they do keep it close, I and mean, maybe the spread will be I don't know, a little bit closer than, than you think. I mean what, what do you think right now? Just early, like, 14? I mean, yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, the Notre Dame spread is 17 and a half, which is yeah. crazy, which is, I mean, that's absurd. That is way too much respect for, for Ohio State. I'm I'm going to be yeah. hammering Notre Dame. Like, that is so based on not that, I mean, about. It, yeah, it could be 21. It could be 21. Could be 21. People, people right. think this is the greatest show on turf. People believe yeah. that this Ohio State team – is unbelievably talented with CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith, Najiba. Like that's like the the team. I like him. I think Ohio State's probably my favorite to win the national championship. I think I told you that last week. Like they're really fucking good. But at the same point, I I I think it's a we're a little bit overreact. Trayvon Henderson also as well, the running back who was very talented last year. Like they have legit three guys that could win Heisman in Stroud, Henderson and Smith Najiba. Like, that's crazy. You don't yeah. usually see that. So we'll see what happens. I mean, if they make a statement against Notre Dame and they end up end up winning that game by 21 points or 24 points, then all of a sudden it changes it changes everything. And then it's a different topic. And I'm sure I'll be talking about it on the Daily Tap next week about resetting that expectation when you're playing Ohio State. So we'll have to see that. And as for – oh, go ahead. And if we, I would say if the Badgers keep it close, and like I said, they're they're three and they're three and one then with a, you know, a touchdown loss to Ohio State or a ten point loss to Ohio State, I think you're feeling pretty good for, you know, uh, at, at least an appearance in the Big Ten championship game once right. again. And and after after kind of going out like a fart in the wind with that Minnesota loss last year, I mean that's that's I, I think that that's where that's what the goal should be again. I mean, every year for the Badgers, it should be getting to the big 10 championship game and, and kind of no less until another, another program. I mean, I was, I was real solid and that's going to be a tough game yep. at Kinnick late in the year. Um, but the Badgers have a favorable schedule. 
uh, the first half outside of the Ohio State game. They go Illinois and the Northwestern, um, who they, you know, kind of shit pump both those teams last year. I know Northwestern looked – I don't know. You watched some of that Nebraska-Northwestern game, right? I mean, yeah. Northwestern looked – they look competent there, but it's like, I, I you know, it's Nebraska. I mean, I, I don't know. And Nebraska's a, a, probably a mediocre program at best. Well, um, yeah. The Northwest- yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that the Northwestern thing, it's just like they play so well at home because that stadium is complete yeah. trash. Like it's 11 o'clock. It's always raining there. And you have you have the you have the uh, grass like really 15, heavy. Yeah. 15,000 fans there, maybe. And like probably 10,000 of them are Badger fans. Right, exactly. They still, that, they still lose. They still lose. That's the that's the crazy thing. Um, When's the last time they lost there? I mean, it's been. Oh, it wasn't oh they no, they lost there. Uh, 2019. Two years ago. They, yeah, let me look that up. But yeah, there's. Uh, I'm. I. I'll fully admit, hand up. I'm a little distracted because Timmy Trumpet's playing live for Edwin Diaz's walkout, and like oh. that's the that's the song of the summer for me. Like a personal song of the summer is that is the Narcos. Like that that song yeah. is just it's just great, and uh, I love it. And I I bet heavy on the Mets last night, knowing Timmy was there, and then Timmy was back tonight, and I was like, ah, it's a lot of it's a lot for for the the Dodgers. So I cannot cannot make fun of you uh, for for the play by play because I just did that. But yeah, Badger Northwestern, they have. Let's see here. So in 2020, they lost 17 to seven in Evanston. In Evanston in 2018, they lost 31 to 17. The last win in Evanston was 21 to 7, 2016. Uh, so it's been it's been a bit. It's been six years since they have won one at Northwestern. So I, I mean, we could go there right now. You think their schedule is favorable? I I I don't know. I mean, there are favorable moments, but there, man, there are a lot. Well, no, of the first half, games. the first half of the yeah. schedule. Okay, uh, okay. Out, out, outside of yes, outside, outside of Ohio State. State. And do you think it's better to play Ohio State early or late? Like, what's your what's your opinion on that? Uh, I mean, in terms of, God forbid, a, a, a college football playoff appearance, um, I think it's better for that. In terms of performance on the field from the Badgers, I'd probably rather have it later in the year. I just think historically Paul Christ has been a little bit of a slow starter with his teams, mm-hmm. uh, if you know what I mean. And saw it last year, and, and I feel like years past with, the non-conference being a little bit underwhelming, and then you come in and 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 kind of ramp up as the year goes on. Uh, I mean, that didn't really happen last year, I guess. At but it, all. It, it but, has it has happened before. I I think yeah. I think with a new offensive coordinator, it would probably be wise to play Ohio State later in the year. And the bad there's a very good good chance, and we saw this with a little bit of the Packers with Lafleur. I'm not trying to compare them side by side, but whenever you bring a new guy in, it sometimes takes a while for the, the guys to listen. Unless they're completely bought in, unless they're they're all in from the goddamn start, it sometimes mm-hmm. takes a while. So, like, they might look like shit against Ohio State. They might get their asses kicked against Ohio State. And so everyone's like, same old Badgers. And then a month later, when they play Michigan State, also on the road, another really tough place that they've not done well at, they could go and beat Michigan State. And it's like, everybody's all back in on Badger. So I, I do think there needs to probably be some patience. So I do, I think the schedule to your point about later 
like it does kind of set up where you don't have all those road games at the end of the year. Like I think if you started out where it was like Ohio State, Illinois, then it was Iowa, Nebraska, like that would be that would be really really challenging um, right out the gate. I think yeah, you'll you'll have a little more time to develop and build that cohesion where maybe back to back road games in Iowa and Nebraska you'll be able to survive. Yeah. Going to going to Kinnick, that'll probably be probably be a night game, right? That's one terrible thing about college football though, is they don't they don't give you the schedule or you don't know the game time until like two or three weeks out. Yeah, I mean um, that could be could be a big noon Saturday game. Actually I think the Big Ten, uh you cannot have night games in November. I think that's a rule, which is kind of crazy. But you cannot have like a six thirty start in November. They deem it yeah, too cool. You're right, actually. You're so, right. So so you'll have that'll either be a, a eleven o'clock big noon on Fox if that's the the biggest game of the weekend for Fox, or it will be a two thirty two thirty ABC start. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see which one. But yeah, it's gonna be in Minnesota too. I mean, they bring back a lot of dudes, and that's at home. But after coming off two straight road games, and I mean, I, I, but I don't imagine they won't get up for Minnesota. I think, unfortunately, dealing with the cocksucker that is PJ Fleck, like he just gets his guys up for that type of shit, kind of like Dan Campbell, but for college, where it's like they, they just make it a point of emphasis to try to beat Wisconsin. And I don't know if that was the same with a lot of the other Gopher coaches throughout the last, the last 20 years. Yeah, I mean they've had some pretty pretty empty suits up there at co- at head coach, I think over the last twenty years before PJ Fleck, who, you know, is, yeah, he's a a showman for sure, uh, no question about it. But I, I mean I think the Badgers will be, you'd think out out for blood in that game. Yeah, um, you know they did. The Badgers have lost quite a few players from last year. I mean a, a lot of their. A lot of their leaders, I think they lost what sixty-seven percent of their of their starting twenty-two or whatever from from a season ago, uh, and including all their secondaries. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. let's talk. Let's it, talk about the secondary. I mean, that's. I think that's the biggest concern heading into this season. Besides Mertz, is you know, will Jim Leonard have enough time to kind of mold the secondary? And it's you're relying on grad transfers, which isn't new. For college football, it's everywhere, right? I mean, how crazy right. is it that West Virginia and Pittsburgh are playing tomorrow and it's Keaton Slovis versus JT Daniels, two USC quarterbacks. JT Daniels on his third team, Slovis now on his second team. Like, that's that's absolutely absurd. That's all of college yeah. football. That's not, like, that's not just one example. I mean, it's, it's good. There are going to be some weird fucking games. Bo Nix at Oregon, right? Like, that's also strange. And so maybe it works. I think there are going to be some success stories out of this, but I also think there are going to be some flameouts. And hopefully Wisconsin's on the other side of it. Because as the depth chart sits right now, you have Jay Shaw uh, starting at corner, uh, transferring from USC or UCLA, excuse me, and Cedric Dort, um, not to be confused with Lou Dort, playing the nickelback uh, position, also a grad transfer. So that those guys are going to be relied on. I mean, the one, if you want to kind of bright spot the secondary and be like, okay, how can this team succeed is Hunter Waller. Hunter Waller, sophomore from Muskego, had offers yep. to go to Notre Dame, had offers to go to Ohio State. He was a legitimate four-star, fringe five-star guy. 
So if Hunter Waller is that dude at free safety and just kind of plays the center field and and kind of mitigates some of the things that the corners are struggling with, maybe you get maybe you get away with it. But yeah, that with that Ohio State game looming, that secondary is going to get tested early and often. Well, Waller's going to step in. I don't think he had a ton of you know he wasn't a regular starter. No, a few ago, moments. But he he you know he's going to step. I think he has all in the world. He's got a guy who played the same position as him as his defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard. Obviously, I mean, if there, if there's one thing that a national media type person is oh. going to point to about <laughs> football, it's Jim Leonard on on the on the defensive coordinator side. You know, everybody thinks he could have been, you know, could have gone to the NFL, um, and maybe he still will once he feels he's done enough. Maybe if things don't go well again this year, maybe. He- you know, a hell of a hell of a mentor yeah, there at, for sure. On the sideline. Oh, I, I was laughing because I, I thought what you were going to say was that the national media is going to going to lean so hard into the Waller Leonard relationship. Like if Waller has oh, yeah. like an awesome like first five or six weeks, people are going to be like, he's the next Jim Leonard. Like people will go crazy with it locally, too. But like. There's going to be every broadcast that'll talk about Hunter Waller, kid from southeastern Wisconsin, had a chance to go to Notre Dame, had a chance to go to Ohio State, but he stayed home to be a Badger. Like, I just see Gus McJohnson fucking doing it right now. Like, I, I, I do. Like, I could literally picture that in week six or seven when Waller's been making a bunch of plays. So, uh, oh, I think. Oh, for sure. That, that's that's a given. And. I mean, Hunter Waller's the nice thing about him is he's actually the size of a of a grown human man, unlike Jim Leonard, who's like yeah. five seven. And you know, so if he, you know, if you can get something like the heart and the grit of Jim Leonard with with you know the uh, the toolsy body, if you will, of Hunter of Hunter Waller, I think you're going to have a player. Yeah, for sure. Also, too worth pointing out, John Trecchio, Trecchio, this strong safety. He is the only returning starter. Uh, Trecchio brought the lumber at the strong safety position. So, and I'm not really also worried at all about the front seven. Are you, I mean, with Herberg and Benton, like it just seems like they just, it's a factory at this point with their front seven since really since Dave Aranda, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about, you know, in that, in that three, four scheme. No, not really. I mean, very excited about Herbig, the Hawaiian assassin. Herbig is really good. Um, there are some people who think he can be as good as like DJ Watt, um, which is big praise. Um, and it, it's thankfully we don't have to worry about people pressuring the Packers into drafting them because we're pretty good at edge rusher. So, so that's, we at least have that going for us where it's like, oh, you know, uh, not that anybody in Milwaukee takes calls anymore, but it'd be like, oh, you know, uh, <laughs> that, that Herberg, uh, he, uh, he reminds me a lot, like good do over from Goot. Goot could redeem himself. So, but no, Packer are, uh, they don't need, they don't need any, uh, any edge rushers. So we, we got that going for us. Let's see here. Other storylines to cover before we, we move on to other things. Uh, Braylon Allen. So year two was an awesome year for Braylon Allen national media. That was their thing. They love to tell you this kid is only 18 or wasn't 18. I don't, whatever it was, they just were, you know, He's probably eight, 18 right now. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I'll look that up, but, you know, Braylon Allen was like, that was the, that was the big story. And I would say there is mild Heisman buzz. I feel like 
Heisman's for non-running backs don't really earn it for non-quarterbacks don't really exist. I mean, Bajon Robinson from Texas has kind of had some, but it might be Braylon Allen at the end of the day. And I guess, Mitch, what is sort of your expectations for Braylon Allen in year two? Is there a sophomore slump potential or do you see it kind of being a breakout year for an uh, even bigger breakout year for him? Well, I think it's going to be an even bigger year. If you if you put a gun to my head, um, I think the offensive line probably can't be any worse than it was last year uh, by a Wisconsin Badger standard. But Braylon Allen have what twelve hundred yards last year? Yep, twelve hundred um, twelve hundred yards, less than two hundred. I don't carry. think he even played the first like couple games. No, he only played twelve. Uh, he played all the games, twelve games. Um, but he but only he wasn't had a, like a full no, right? No, he so had a, he had he, a, he wasn't a full load. No, 186 attempts, um, average 6.8 yards an attempt, average 105 yards a game. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> right. So if, if you you give me 105 yards per game, possibly even a little more than that, over 12 games, I mean, I, I'm I'm thinking 1500 yards rushing for the for the kid right. this year. Um, you know. I, I, it, doesn't have a. I feel like doesn't have a doesn't have a ton of com- competition in the back backfield. Yeah, but um, you know, you're it, it's all him. I feel like, and with the inconsistency of Graham Mertz uh, to this point, I feel like they're going to rely pretty heavily on on Braylon Allen. Now, you know, a year in the books for him, I think you're not going to necessarily sneak up on anybody. No. With Braylon Allen, not not uh, that I feel like he. He was by the end of by the end of the season last year, but you know it, it's like I feel like if you're a defensive coordinator for for an, an opposing team, it's like you know let's stack the box and make Graham Mertz beat us, and you know I feel like it's easier said than done to bring down Braylon Allen, but yeah. if you're putting eight guys in the box, you know it, it, it may I mean we'll see it, you know totally it, it's yeah. gonna have it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to be more of a balanced attack than, than it was. I mean, there's just the splits on, you know, rushing and passing efficiency for the Badgers last year was Off pretty embarrassing. I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, you, you, you can't, you know, you got to get something from the quarterback to, to help the kid out and, right. and we'll see what happens. And I kind of think Braylon Allen is a one of one. I mean, you mentioned the competition. There yeah. is Malusi. He's coming back from an injury. Um, so who knows how effective he'll be early on. But you look at, like, Ron Dane and James White are probably the best examples of guys who had big workloads their freshman year. White's workload actually really similar to Allen, 156. So probably about, what, 30 carries less, 1,052 mm-hmm. yard, yards, 6.7 average. But so and he dipped the next year. He only rushes for seven 713, but he has less carries because Monte Ball came, became into his own. You also had Melvin Gordon. Like there was just a lot of guys touching the football. You don't, you don't kind of don't have that. And then Ron Dane, here's this crazy. I didn't realize this. I knew Ron Dane tore it up his freshman year. And I'd have to look at who won Heisman in 96. That might be Peyton Man- with it. Charles Woodson. Or is that right the year after Woodson? Um well, Woodson was what, 98, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Oh, because it, like it must have been the year. It must have been the year after. Oh, it was former Packer Danny Warfel. How the fuck did Ron Dane not win Heisman his freshman year? Look at this. The guy carried the ball 
325 times and had 2,109 yards and had 21 touchdowns. How, like, they don't, they don't award it to Heisman's. Like, they are a freshman back in the day. Like, that's just, they didn't do that. Now well, it's, that and it's like, common practice. Like you said, running backs, I guess, got it a little bit more because you had, like, Ricky Williams and stuff back in that right. day. Um, yeah. So I guess they did get it a little bit more. But with the, the spread offenses and stuff now, uh, rampant in college football, I mean, it's tough for, for running backs to squeeze their way into that. But I, honestly, if, I think if someone could, maybe not this year, but it, so if somebody could, it's Braylon Allen. Yeah. Ron Dane did not even, was not even a top 10 Heisman vote. They, they didn't, I mean, what an injustice. That sounds like a TikTok to me. Um, that's <laughs> fucking great. Orlando Pace got 599 votes for being a fucking offensive lineman. Now, granted, one of the best in the game, but I mean, come on. Big Orlando Pace. What's he ever done? <laughs> <laughs> Can't finish that one, unfortunately. Um, if you know, just if you don't know what we're talking about, look up Donald Sterling, Magic Johnson, YouTube. Um, you'll get your answer. Um, if we had if we had drops still, maybe we could do that, but I don't even know if we could do that as a drop. But yeah. But anyways, Dane fell off after his freshman year, but also he was an 18-year-old who carried the ball 325 times. I don't really think that's what Braylon Allen did last year. Barry Alvarez, man. I would love to get Ron Dane in a room. No one would ask this because how dare you go against King Barry. But, like, he basically beat Ron Dane to shit. Like, Ron Dane Mm -hmm. didn't have an NFL career because of his head coach. And, like, I just would ask – like, I know Ron Dane – doesn't have to work a day in his life. Like he's made a lot of money off his name in Madison in the area. But like, would you rather have that or have like an NFL career? Like they, they just didn't fucking care. Yeah. That's like the Brewers with CC Sabathia. That's pretty close to oh, that. Yeah, I mean, no, no, where it's like, well, I mean, that's, 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 that's way before, you know, oh, yeah. any type of load, load management or, no. uh, um, you know, getting guys off their feet was, was really a thing. It was, you know, we're absolutely going to do whatever it takes to win a game. And yep. um, not that they don't now, but there's, I feel like there's it's definitely, it's in the minds of, of, you know, athletic departments, yeah. even in college at some point that, and, and like the, typically the Badgers, maybe not every single year, but they find a way to, to have, two or three running backs and Ches and Lucy, he's all right, but he's a nice, he's a nice, uh, you know, a nice spell back, a nice uh, third down option perhaps once in a while. Um, No, totally. But, and maybe, maybe a goal line here and there just to save Braylon Allen some, you know, from running into the wall, you know, a million times this season. Not have three, not have, not have a Ron Dane season and rush 300 times. Yeah, probably. Think right. that that right. would help, but yeah, I actually I don't know if Malusi's going to be ready for the start of the year because he his leg injury was the was November of uh, of last year. I actually don't know that. So, well, we, the other storyline I have is Bobby Ingram. We're rushed. We've went pretty long here because we went in a bunch of different directions. You have a little concern about Bobby Ingram, which you mentioned earlier, just about because it's his first year doing this at, at any at any level. Yeah, I mean, I guess you've you've seen it before. I mean, Ingram was what with the Ravens as yep. a as a position coach, I think last year. And I mean, we'll see. I guess you know you've seen it before with with some guys coming down um, from 
from the NFL, from the NFL as a position coach and getting to call plays and being successful and going back maybe to the NFL or who knows, maybe staying, you know, but now his, his son, right. Is Dean Engram. Yes. Uh, and he's moved from corner to receiver. So I don't know. Is there going to be some bias there? <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where he really sits on the depth chart at wide receiver. Um, in fact, it doesn't really look like he's anywhere near the top, but nope. yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see it, it, you know, it got to the point last year with Paul Christ where I feel like a change had to be made. I am very happy that um, he is willing to try something new. I, I don't know if, if that's going to be necessarily a long-term thing, but it, it all depends on how it looks. And, and again, the first, the first few weeks, it, it's probably going to look all right. You know, where, where you're facing some, some less, lesser competition, but you know, he'll, I would like to think he gets the full season. But, again, I don't know. I guess Paul Chris isn't necessarily the hothead type, but I feel like we saw it with, like, Mike McCarthy and stuff with, with the Packers where he would kind of step back from play calling and then kind of come right back after a game or two. Right. And, you know, it, it's – we. I mean – Of course it's going to be – it's not a silos thing. You know, of course it's going to be – Paul Chris is probably going to be pretty involved, probably mm-hmm. more than more – than, you'd like to think right now, but um, it never hurts to have another cook in the kitchen. I think, especially with just how anemic the offense was last year, it it just got to the point where people were so done with them. And then, and then it, it just, it fell apart completely in the Minnesota loss last year. So, right. um, And the Minnesota loss was a death. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was saying like, I do have some, some mild concerns, but again, I'm very intrigued at the same time to have a new, a new voice and a, a, new, a new hat, a new hat in that, in that quarterback room. I, I never did this as a topic, but like Dennis Dodd had like this hot seat meter for all the coaches in college football. And he said like, mm-hmm. Paul Chris has no, no warm seat, nothing at all. And mm-hmm. maybe just winning eight games is enough. But I do wonder like, when, when does that frustration set in? Like, is it five yeah. straight years of that? Is it, you have a new AD like Chris McIntosh, granted, like part of the Barry Alvarez tree, like Badger for life, as well as Chris does. I mean, but like when when does it like you at least have that discussion? See, it has to. It's maybe it might yeah. be five years. It might be. It might take till like if you don't have like a Big Ten championship appearance in the three years that Braylon Allen is in Wisconsin. Who knows? He oh no, he can't go pro this year. Like if Braylon Allen goes pro next year and he's he didn't make one Big Ten title game, I think then yeah you you have a discussion right. Um, and you know if you well, blame Graham Mert, you know we'll see. We'll just have to see what happens. Who knows? Yeah, I mean I I don't know. I feel like Chris is is kind of it's more or less up to him in my opinion. Oh totally. But yeah, I could. I don't know. You know it's tough to say. I'm trying to compare like. I want to compare it to like Craig Council, um, but I feel like I, I would say Craig Council would would more likely be fired than Paul Chris just because of hundred percent. At the end of the day, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but just because of the professional nature of the Brewers, where you know, if another year of sort of underachieving happens, you know, may, maybe Craig is is either done and it's a mutual thing. I don't know. 
I feel like it's kind of up to Paul Christ. Well, know? I'll I'll take I'll take I'll actually I'll stay in the same same university though they're much more likely to fire Greg Gar than they would Craig, than they would Paul Crest. Yeah, that could be. Um, I can see I'm that. Not, I'm not saying they would, and maybe they'd let Greg go out, you know, on his own. But like Greg was pretty against the transfer portal. I think they did bring somebody in. Um, I'm not up to date on my badge of basketball. But, like, he spoke out against it, which isn't probably the best. You had some guys that have exited the program. Um, You know, the Badgers really haven't necessarily pushed it forward, had a disappointing exit this year. Um, And, you know, I don't know. I I don't know when that – when you get to the point of that with with guard, you know, McIntosh again is, you know, at some point don't you want to make your own moves as an AD? Like, we see that all the time with with others – other universities you get a new ad and usually they want to do something else like auburn for example is going to have their ad step down they're going to have a new ad that ad he or she is going to want to probably get rid of brian harson even though he has an absurd buyout and everything else but unless brian harson like produces a 10 to 12 win team this year he's fucking out of a job because auburn fans are fucking nuts that's part of that too but like it's, um, you know, I, I think I do wonder when that moment comes for McIntosh where he's like, you know what? I kind of want to make my own stamp on the university. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? So yeah. everybody's different. I also feel like, too, that, I mean, Barry still has a pretty oh. pretty big say in, in the goings on. I, he's, he's retired, but <laughs> he probably comes through for a cup of coffee every morning. Um, he works for the Big Ten. I mean, he works for the Big Ten, so he's still right. involved. So he's still involved. Right. Yeah. He knows what's going on. I, I do wonder, too, like, will will things change when they expand the conference and they add UCLA and USC, if they add more teams, and how does that, how does that affect things as well? And you can make the argument that it's kind of now or never for the Badgers before they go to maybe conferenceless football and then there's a potential where we're seeing Michigan, Ohio right. State back to back weekends, considering bo- if both teams are good. I, I listened to, to Big Cat with Rosillo, and, you know, they kind of touched on a little bit like Wisconsin being safe, quote yeah. unquote, safe in the Big Ten. Right. And I guess they didn't really go too far into it. And I was kind of thinking maybe get your thoughts about it too. Is it's like, is there a world where, you know, because college football is getting, getting nuts now and, is there a world where Wisconsin is not involved in in a super conference? I mean, no. or whatever you want to call it. Like, like, do we get to that point where? No, I don't think just, so. I, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't, don't really think so either. I, I think even though they don't probably spend as much money and they don't have the boosters that Ohio State has and that Michigan has, they have those guys that have the money and girl guys and girls who have that money. But I, they just don't spend it that way, which is really fascinating. Like Marquette is the same thing, right? Marquette is a ton of people who've made money at post, and they just don't like have an NIL pro. They have one kind of started now, but it, it's really weak, like all around. It's just not what it should be for either either program. Like that's a huge flaw right now for Wisconsin college sports in general. And but regardless of that. Wisconsin just does too well ratings wise. Like they bring in ratings, they travel great. That's why like every bowl game wants to have them. You know, there there are a lot of there are a lot of reasons why the Badgers will stay, and it's 
some of it's not even to do with football. It's just that they travel. They travel so well, well a, and also their academics a, are good. It's a, it's a you know, good academics really don't fucking matter anymore. Well, I still think there is a part of that 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 still is like, well, we have you know these prestigious universities like Michigan, Wisconsin, and Northwestern, and things like that, where where well, they can at least boast that as like a part of it as well. From a fan perspective, I think it does right. matter to some extent. So, I mean, Wisconsin, moving on, um, unless you have anything else. Uh, I, well, I was going to say, Wisconsin has a very, you know, huge, it's a huge school. It's a top, top five school, I feel like, enrollment-wise, isn't it? A top ten, yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah, a huge they, school. So, it's yeah. like, uh, uh, that's why they travel well. And, obviously, we're known to drink quite a bit and spend money at concession stands. So, um, yeah, that, that's true. They are, while they don't necessarily have the high end success, um, they're, they're, they've been a a very, very consistent program throughout, you know, the last 20 years. So, um, it's, I think they're, they're relatively safe. Not, you know, if you're Illinois or Northwestern, um, you know, might be shaking in your boots a little bit, but then again, they, they still have Vanderbilt in the SEC somehow. Right. So right. Exactly. Um, exactly. Vandy. Vandy hangs on again for the academics to keep those academics up. It's like the it's like the Caucasian kid on the end of your, end of your roster just to keep keep those grades up. And he's like a math major, you know, just to keep that 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 score going. So, anyways, the, the team GPA and the, and the team right. throw percentage. Right? Yeah, absolutely, no question about it. All right, let's move on. Uh, Green Bay Packers are two weeks away. We'll do. Kind of the same little dance next week. Maybe we'll change up the the format. But if the ratings are good, uh, we'll probably keep it. Um, so stay tuned for that. And Mitch, I guess question for you is like, where what sort of is the biggest question that you have about this Packers team now? The fifty three man roster is mostly set. You got the practice squad mostly in place. Like, what is the biggest question for you heading into this season? Biggest question for me heading into the season is going to be, will Aaron Rodgers embrace a potentially run-heavy offense? I just yeah. think that, you know, I mean, look, the receiver, the receiving core, much maligned. Uh, you know, we'll see who steps up there. But it seems like, at least from the outside looking in, that the plan is to be, you know, more running attack-based maybe play action, stuff like that. And I feel like we've heard that before. And I don't know, sometimes now the offense has been, you know, tremendous the last couple of seasons. But, in, you know, in 2019, it was still inconsistent that first year with LaFleur. I just, I, I guess the overall trust level between LaFleur and Rodgers, we got to see where that is. I, I think that's, you know, I so think... far very, very good. Right. But, um you know, again, now that he doesn't have Devontae and, and a, a guy that he – I think it's kind of a fact that he'd love to throw the ball to. Uh, I'll say that. I'll, I'll keep it nice. And, you know, it doesn't have that option anymore. And, you know, now all of a sudden we're expecting Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to be, you know, good playmakers. I don't want to say, like, top ten no. – uh, fantasy running backs or anything like that, but but I think that people are well, maybe yeah. I mean, maybe. I think again, I think Jones, I think Jones for sure, and I think if Dylan, well, if if Jones, yeah. if if Jones, if Dylan miss air, if Jones misses time, I think Dylan could just break through. Um, I, I think sure. there, 
there are some opportunities there. And I, 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 it's really interesting that word. I, I planned a little behind the scenes. Like I planned for two answers on my end and I have two, but like, I was like, okay, if Mitch takes this one, I'll do this one. I did not expect this one to be coming, which I love. And yeah, it, it'll be fascinating to watch because there is that feeling of they were okay letting Devontae go because there was maybe a concern that Rogers locked on too much and that even though LaFleur and him are tight, LaFleur might have had some back channel conversations with Budacoust and said, Look, Brian, like I love Devontae. I Devontae is one of the best in the game, but Aaron once when he's really seen it. He's seen everybody and not just focused on that one receiver, like you mentioned. And yes, will will he get comfortable with that, or will he will he just sort of maybe turtle, maybe kind of force things in there that aren't that aren't you know available for him? Yeah, and and you know maybe stick to a run play here and there instead of checking yes. out of it, right? That type of deal. Yeah, um, I think that I and I think that that part is more important come November, December, January. I think running the football and it's such like an old school thing, but like that's when it needs to happen. And I I think sometimes Rogers would get away from it when it's like, dude, we have these two backs who could just beat the shit out of the defensive tackles and the linebackers. And all of a sudden when you beat the shit out of those guys, it frees up the middle of the field for you to just start cooking. And I think that still there's an ego part with Rogers where he's like, I need to do it all. And I think what Matt LaFleur is trying to get across to him is like, you don't have to do it all. We have really good players here and you just need to trust them a little bit more. And we'll see. We'll, we'll definitely see what happens. I think that's a fact. And and look at like, looking like Drew Brees the last couple of years of his career where like, Mm -hmm. you know, he couldn't throw the ball. I believe Aaron Rodgers has a nicer arm than Drew Brees does, you know, as we speak. Yes. Um, but like somebody like Alvin Kamara came out of nowhere as like a third round pick because, you know, Drew Brees just checked the ball down to him all the time. And, you know, but he, but he found that trust. And I, I think that that's what Packer fans are maybe hoping for out of like Aaron Jones. Um, you know, I think that's pretty ambitious, but, you know, it might have to be the case just with, you know, so many question marks at the receiver. I, like you're higher on Alan Lazard than I am. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know how much he, he did in preseason, if anything at all. No, he didn't uh, play. He actually, he actually, he didn't play. Um, what was interesting. Well, today they mentioned that the Packers basically ran a game. Like they did for a uh, 40 minute practice, like running clock, running guys in and out. Roger said it was the best thing they've done. First time they did it with LaFleur and Rodgers was like, we got to do more of these. Like he's like, it beat a preseason game. So I'm like, great. Let's do another one on Saturday. Like, let's get absolute. So I can. What do they do with like, did, did they just like, just play on air? Just like I'll, one play yeah, and like sort of simulate uh, think, the game. So, okay. I have it from Ryan Wood here. Aaron Rodgers said the game like practice today was the first time he had ever had a practice like that with the Packers. Running clock for 40 minutes per situation, rotating in ones and twos on the field. In the future, he would he wants more of these beats playing in preseason, he said. Yeah. So, well, I mean, obviously, you know, an established veteran is going to hate preseason. I mean, most I think most starters do um, because it, it doesn't do much for them. And I, 
I tend to agree with Rogers when he said that it's pretty stupid for, you know, I'm paraphrasing when he said it's pretty stupid for him to play one series. I get that. If you're, if you're going to play, play. And I, I like that idea in practice of simulating as much of a game and sort of up, probably up tempo, I would assume, um, type of stuff. Maybe, you know, hone in some more conditioning and stuff like that before the season starts. Uh, that's actually a good idea. I mean, who knows? But they, I'm surprised that's not a more common thing in the NFL. I would imagine they, a lot of them do that, but maybe we're just hearing about it. But um, maybe it was new. It seemed to be new to Rodgers. So um, good call. Yeah, no, no shit. I love it. Uh, the questions I had, uh, I'll bo- run through my, my two quickly here. Number one is just when do we see David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Robert Tunyon on the field? Is it week one? Is it week two? Is it week three? I think it's going to be, if we don't see him week one, it's going to be a, a, like a weekly annoyance for Packer fans. Um, yeah. That's just something that's going to bother them. Now, Tunyon played in team drills. Roger said uh, it was a follow-up on Wood's tweet that he threw touchdowns to both Cobb and Tunyon in the two-minute drills. Um, so And he's like, Tunyon being out there is a huge difference maker. I wonder if Tunyon's pushing to play week one. Um, that would be massive. I don't know if J- Jenkins and Bakhtiari, we can say the same. Um, we'll just, I'm just going to approach it as I think we're good if, if they're not playing. That's a, obviously a big test for young Zach Tom, who'd probably be your right tackle if Jenkins can't go, um, and Nyman on the other side. But I, I still feel like they can handle the Vikings' pass rush. I, I don't see it as daunting uh, with a washed-up Sedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter coming out from injury. I can't wait to draw Zedarius off sides like three times. It's going to be so fun. Um, and the other point to your Rogers thing I forgot to add, which I can add in now, is like they get some pretty bad secondaries the first couple of weeks of the season with the Vikings and Bears. Yeah. Did you see the stat today that the Bears have only 19 guys from their 53-man roster last year? Wow. Yeah. That's um, I mean that's quite a bit of turnover. Now they they did have a regime change there. No, yeah, so. I mean that says everything you need to know about Ryan Pace. I mean Ryan Poles looked at it. It's like when you come, like you get into a new job and you just see everything on fire. Like just none of it makes sense. <laughs> like what the fuck is this guy doing? Like what did this guy do? Um, yeah, I'd say the Bears might be lining up for a, a number one pick. I actually would love if the Bears got a number one pick. It'd be scary in its own right, but like. The just consternation from Bears fans about what to draft. Should you get rid of Justin Fields? Like, who's that pick for them? You know, I just I would really enjoy it. I, I would I would yeah. take pleasure in that. Um, well, it would it all be... depends. I mean, if 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 they're if they win two games, I think it's I think you're probably done with Justin Fields, unfortunately, and it's, yeah. it probably wouldn't really be his fault. But no, um, you know, things would have to go pretty horribly wrong, and they probably will. For our friends to the south. Yeah, I don't um, know. I don't, I don't. I don't see it. The other question I had quickly was uh, just the safety depth. I'm a little worried. I'm like, what are what are we doing here? Like, it's we have like a couple safe. We have two really good safeties in Amos and Savage. Maybe Amos, maybe Savage should be considered really good. But like, we have that established. But after that, it drops off. Like, there is a thought you could play Russell Douglas at safety but all the rest of your guys are like special teams guys. Now they're athletes. They have high Roz scores, which Brian Gunacus loves maybe more than I love cake. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. Are those guys just special teams guys or can they actually 
play on the field. Like the guy they just picked up today, Rudy Ford, he's fast as fuck, but can he actually like, does that translate over to just being a special teams guy or can he actually, you know, contribute if they need him to? You're not excited about Tariq Carpenter, the rookie? Uh, I look, I, I uh, mean, there's, I know you're kidding, but there, I'm just, there's some, I'm just messing with you. I, I also, I said this on yesterday's pod that it's crazy how much Brian Gunacus loves his draft picks. Like, he might love his draft board more than Olin Murphy, which is hard to do, right? Like, Murph, <laughs> our friend, will always remind you of a guy that was on his board. He's like, oh, yeah, that guy. Like, I want the Packers to have him. Like, I, he says that one four times, six times, like, in a month, pretty much. Oh, yeah. That's, and, that's classic. And, and then so is the uh, the uh, the first round, the former first round pick that got released after, like, three years. Yeah. Like the Packers, oh, yeah. the Packers just have to go get him. Yeah, I, I mean, sure. I'm, I'm surprised that actually we don't have a text from him right now being like, why, where were the Packers on Jalen Reg? <laughs> yeah. Well, he, and he, I thought the comparison for Mike Gesicki being Greg Olson was a little, a little steep, but he actually, I mean, he has pretty good numbers, and I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, right. uh, to, and to be fair, that was vacation for him. I mean, he we don't know how many pina coladas he had had at that point in the Dominican uh, <laughs> when when said. Um, so, all right, quickly on the Brewers because we've we've went we pretty much had our hour. Mitch, I know you're in the dunk club. It was a fun week, fun last five days after Friday. Like we talked on Thursday yeah. show, and I was like, okay, like you know, you got the Cubs, Pirates, you got it. This is kind of go time. And then Freddie's pitching great, has a no-hitter, and I'm at the game with our friend Fan, noted Cubs fan. And then basically two mistakes to Ian Happ loses us the game. Like, I was so ready, Mitch. I was so fucking mad. I haven't been that mad at the Brewers in a really long time. Like, I, it's hard to remember being that mad, but I was just so upset. I think that's probably the most upset I've been at a baseball game. Not 2011 against the Cardinals because – that game, you know, we got our ass kicked. It was kind of over. You were making peace with it. Prince is leaving. The whole thing. You were there too. I saw the Brewers yeah. blow a five-run lead, and Matt Wise gave up a game-winning home run to the the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't know what year. Matt Wise, special piece of shit. It was that year where the Brewers just could not stop losing five-run five-run leads. Like Guillermo Moda blew one. They just had yeah. this thing where they get up five and they lose the lead. It was unbelievable. And yeah, Matt, that one was pretty bad, um, but this one was also awful. I was that was probably that, like that was probably like 2007. I mean, something like I, that. Yeah, a long time ago. But you know what? You know, flags fly forever. Um, but anyways, I was leaving the stadium and I just kept yelling group sales at the Brewers workers, which probably wasn't appropriate. <laughs> um, I had I had had a few few uh, Miller Lights. Let's just say our friend Fant was uh, was kept me full. Um, it was maybe an absurd pace. I didn't leave my seat the entire game. That was wild. Uh, but anyways, we're not here to talk about my experience there. Wow. I, yeah, I know. Um, didn't pee the entire time. And I drank a ton of beer. It's just camel, camel life really. Um, but anyway, so yeah, they, they got off the bat and it was good to see. I wish they would have swept the pirates. I think yesterday's game was winnable. Uh, you had the two, one lead and who knows why Craig council continues to rely on Brad Boxberger. I know it pitched well. Um, on Wednesday, but doesn't make any sense to me. Um, bullpen has given up fourteen. Well, Go ahead. I would say, who do you, who do you feel great about with the bullpen? I mean, right now, 
Oh, that's uh, a great. That's you know, a good I question. Feel like Matt, Matt Bush loves to give up homers. Yeah, uh, Boxberger's been not great. No. Uh, Devin Williams was. I feel good about. Probably, I, I feel good yeah. about Devin. I feel good about Devin. Yeah. I mean, Strelacki strictly gave up a hit or he gave up an extra run in the in the ninth inning, um, which was like a good insurance run for the Pirates. But like Strelacki's been all right. Um, but again, do yeah. I really feel good about Pete Strelacki in a one run game? Not really. Like I don't even like even though he's been awesome this year and like Brewers Twitter loves him. Like I still feel uncomfortable in Hobie Milner somehow. And he's I didn't even know his year. name was Peter until last night. Oh uh, yeah, it's Peter. I thought, I, I thought it was Mike. I I I didn't get a response from my Polish guys, which is kind of disappointing. Um, because I was like, do we call him Peter the Pole? Do we call him Peter the Polish? Like, what's what's the nickname there? Because no one's saying Strzelecki. I'm not tweeting that out. You know, I need I just need a nickname. Peter the Polak. This probably can you call people Polak? No, you can't. No, no, you can't. You really can't, unfortunately. Polak Pete would be perfect, but you just can't do that. Not not in today's culture. Yeah, so. uh, he's he's been all right. I mean, but yeah. it's like, you know, it, it's 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 riding the wave of bullpens. Um, it's a it's a very know, Suter, Suter was Suter was dog shit for I don't know a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe yeah. two months. Yeah. I wanted to like DFA Suter. Do okay, the last couple. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been good, and uh, Taylor Rogers. Besides that Cardinals debacle on that Sunday, he's actually been pretty solid. Um, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I agree. I guess that's a good point. It's a fair point, but yeah, four out of five. Now you go into uh, basically a series in the mountains because you go Arizona, Colorado, and Arizona's hotter than a pistol, even though they're sixty-one and sixty-seven. Playing tonight against the Phillies, yeah. they've won five straight games. They have a bunch of their young guys up. Corbin Carroll, one of the top prospects in all of baseball, is up. Stone so Garrett, like, yeah, they're Stone Garrett's a hell of a fucking name. Um, just that guy built to play baseball. You just he came out of the womb and that he's playing a sport. Like you, that's just hey, he looks like a football player, right? He's massive. Um, Christian Walker also very good. I'm like they have good they have good players. They have good pitchers. Like they the Brewers, unfortunately have to face Merrill Kelly and Zach Allen. Zach Allen hasn't allowed a run, I think, in 34 innings. Um, So, like, wow. yeah, you, you you know, you get Baumgartner, who's been a Fucking gas Oral Hershiser. Yeah, I know. Um, he's been profitable, too, as a ga- as a gambler. Like, I've been a, been a Zach Allen guy myself. And uh, – but Baumgartner has is, is been awful, but we also are awful against left-handers. So, the rubber kind of meets the road there. Um, I think, I, I think that's Saturday night. But yeah, I, I'm a little nervous about that that series because I'd hate for the Brewers to take a step back and lose like three or four. Um, and that's like that's like my biggest fear this weekend. And also too, it's like well, we're we're allergic to winning when like the teams like the Padres, Phillies, or Cardinals actually lose. That just doesn't fucking happen. So it's it, you know, it, and it's been a. <laughs> Just a cycle, and now you're going to tell me the Cardinals lost to the the Reds. Oh no, they're two two in the tenth. So we'll see. We'll see what oh, happens wow. there. Yeah. Well, it's been a very Tennessee Titans like like season for the Brewers. I feel like it's like every time things are going great, you know, they fuck something up, and then every time you're done, you know, something cool happens. I mean, like that when Gary Mitchell hit that game tying home run, that was definitely. I mean, that was a great moment. I yes. mean, that was. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like this dude is is hopefully here to stay, 
And yes, it was just the Pirates, but I mean, man, that's what you want to see out of a out of a young guy. I mean, that's yeah. He had I, a great I dare I say shades of Ryan Braun when he, he had up, hope. Like, he had a great he had a great home run. Um, uh, or not great home run, a great approach. Uh, on Wednesday's game, you know, Ramirez was out of control and he sensed it and you know took the walk. Tyrone Taylor took two walks today. Sorry, my dog is going nuts. Who knows what's going on outside? Uh, apologize to the listeners. Um, producer Lel just has something in her craw. But anyways, uh, yeah, Mitchell great at bat. I also thought it was funny. Uh, I clipped his highlight from TikTok, tapping the keg sports, and uh. Mitchell has, I think, like in the thousands for Pete, like his hashtag. But then you put in his his wife's name; she has like six point eight million. Just so many horny dudes, man. Just it's just crazy. Oh well, I mean, if you're gonna bring that up, I gotta say that it it did. You know, the Brewers strategically made sure that uh, his wife came because she's internet famous, and I'm sure they oh, were yeah. trying yeah. to get get her on as much content as they possibly could. And, Squeeze that fucking dime. Yeah. I mean, if if you're unfamiliar somehow, Haley Cruz is her name. Now it's Haley Cruz Mitchell. Was a player uh, for Oregon softball. Um, Had kind of went viral for her good looks. Um, And now now she's married. She's playing professional softball, I think, somewhere as well. I don't know how long long that will continue. But, yeah, I mean, and she's attractive. Like, I I think if you had to put her and Morgan Reed – uh, Grace Allen's wife up against each other. That's a gutter war right there. Um, that it's a hard <laughs> one. That's a hard one. Can't do those things anymore. Uh, but it, you know, maybe a Patreon version we could we could get into into more detail there. But yeah, so tapping we'll the, tap the keg plus. Yeah, tapping the keg plus. Yeah, there you go. Tapping the keg plus. Uh, that's where you'll find all the summer jams, and we'll just bitch about everything under pseudonyms uh, because none of us want to get fired. So, anyways. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend. Um, yeah, I agree, though, which, to your point, I think was the truest one. Like, every time something goes well, you're just waiting for the apple cart to get pushed over. And maybe it's Freddie Peralta. Like, his velocity was down in this game. It was not great, even in that no-hitter hitter, hitter performance. Like, I just – I hope there's nothing, nothing going on there. I hope that it's just maybe there's something with the shoulder injury and he's still recovering. But that would be that would be that apple cart getting kind of pushed over and being like, okay, here again, well, you can't stay healthy. I didn't actually see Council's comments after game, which I can look on. But go ahead, sorry. It might be one of those things where in September they bring up another starter um, and just skip a start or two on Freddie, but yeah. you know, try to try to hopefully keep him sharp for the postseason. Should it get to that point? Um, I don't know. I can't think of anybody that started off the top of my head that has maybe been up this season. Um, uh, you could yeah. go Ethan Small. Ethan Small would be the guy. Well, yeah, that that would be that would be nice. I don't know if they want to want to do that, but that would be tremendous. Well, you've um, already. I mean, you could bring up three extra guys, so you can go up two. Three, I think two. Is it two or three? I thought it was 28. 28. 28. It is 28. They have 26 on the roster now. Oh, okay. All right. So, is it, you know, I would add a Sturry Ruiz. I would. I know you have an, a good outfield, but he's just so fucking fast that having that guy on the bench to just be like, all right, hey, yeah. you know, eighth inning, ninth inning, just run, run, you know, maybe an appearance here or there. 
Um, I'm, I'm in on that. Um, I, and then, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe it's Ethan small, maybe it's another reliever, but I would like, I think small would be a great one. Um, and Trang would also be another one that I'd be at least interested in just given how bad Urias has been. And I realize you can't play Jace Peterson probably every day. Um, but Ooh. yeah, I know, I know. Well, I, I mean, they wouldn't give us Garrett Mitchell and Bryce Durang in, in like one week, would they? I don't know. I mean, that would be. The Brewers want to start bringing some fans back and not just $6 concession vouchers. Um, you know, bring up Trang too. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. I mean, unfortunately, well, I mean, unless it's a walk-off situation, you know, for Luis Urias, it's been pretty spotty. Um, yeah, no, so it's unfortunate. been, he's, it's been rough. I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite players and I, I, I wish he'd be, I wish he'd be a little bit more consistent at the plate. Uh, I, I kind of thought all along he would be second base next year, but we'll see with long, um, yeah. been and a lot Trang. better in the second half. Totally. And Trang for that matter. So, yeah. And real quick on the sure. Peralta thing to clean up, uh, McAlvey had this, that from council, I think we're going to talk, we're, I think we're just talking to Freddie. We're readying on what's going on out there and we're making decisions. Um, cause he, he said the caution is related to that. He also said he was down in velocity today, no question about it. That's what I loved about how he pitched. I think he really made pitches today. He still had it in the tank a little bit. Just didn't get to the points in the game where he needed it. So I don't know. Um, that's kind of a, a council answer in, in the best way possible. It was not not anything, mm-hmm. not anything, you know, in depth, but it doesn't necessarily sound like they're gonna skip Freddie's start on next time around but yeah you're right maybe Ethan Small gets brought up so you can kind of maybe balance that a little bit um you also have Adrian Hauser now in the bullpen he pitched mop-up duty today look I loved Adrian Hauser in the bullpen in 2019 and if you could figure out how to get that back for Adrian Hauser sign me the fuck up that guy was a good good ass pitcher and uh that would be that'd be a nice thing to have we'll see but probably should do we went what we went way long Real quick, do you think Serena Williams is going to win the U.S.? She's knocked off the number two player. Like, that's like a massive sports story. If Serena Williams on her, like, retirement, last, like, tennis appearance, like, you know, obviously maybe the greatest women's, probably the greatest women's tennis player of all time. I hate tennis. Like, that's least favorite sport I think that I have. That said, like, I do appreciate a good sports story. And I, I feel like that's like, that's like storybook, storybook ass ending right there. For sure, if she does retire, um, I don't. Yeah. She has, she's she's been very reluctant to 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 give the media that much, uh, you know, juiciness. I think, but uh, sure, kind of seems like it. And no, I mean, obviously, God, you know, up right up there with. I mean, probably even more dominant than Tiger Woods, just because of the right. But in terms of like just a, a solo sport, I mean to be that dominant for, I don't know, it's been 20 years now, probably. Um, incredible story. That would, that would be, that would be, you know, yeah. Storybook, like you said, fantastic. It's, so I, I sure hope, I sure hope she gets it done. It's probably up there, right. With, with Woods winning the masters in 2019. I don't know if it gets to that level because Woods remember the, the mm-hmm. knee injury or no, I was before the knee injury, but still it was like, you didn't think you'd ever get that tiger again. She's won recently or recently-ish, I should say. But, yeah, it would be 
it would definitely make I think the only thing that I get annoyed about with Serena is that everybody becomes a tennis fan all of a sudden. That's it's it, it gets a little bandwagony for me. It's similar to the pool hall stuff, which we should do a topic on pool halls because I'm Italia. Uh, I've I've just about had enough. Um and I know that makes me an <laughs> asshole, but that's okay. All right, that does it. Long pod. New pod maybe tomorrow. We're doing a test show. Um it's not with Mitch. Um, so that's another hint. Um, so I don't know if it'll be ready for publish, but if we feel good about it, we'll publish it. And if we don't, for some reason, if we have some things wrong with it, you'll then just have me, um, which I'm sure you'll be fine. We'll talk brewers. We'll talk everything else. Get you ready for the Labor Day holiday and the college football slate. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good one. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.